canning season. Tomatoes are rolling off the vines, tumbling out of bagfuls over the kitchen tiles until we lift them into the kettle. Simmering, skins peel off, expose pink veins tracing over glistening flesh, seeds surrounded in juice like yolks of tiny eggs. Sieving out the pulp, we make sauce, save August for November. I hold you now. We're ripe. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really, really... Thank thank you. My goodness. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you about um, poetry um, and, you know, what it's like right now during, you know, working at the university, how that's going, what what classes are like. I'm really curious about that. One, I know nothing about poetry, so I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Right up front. So we're going to. No worries. Right. We're going to come at it from uh, uh, that that angle. Uh, But I have some questions, you know, so, you know, we'll just start, Wendy, with you know, um, kind of like how school has been and everything for you. And, and I'm sure you've got a lot to say, so I'll just let you go and, and we'll go. Oh, with well, I don't know that I do have a lot to say. Um, I'm partially retired, so I teach only in the fall. Yeah. And so I'm working with a colleague who's going to help me learn how to do Zoom, how to do my graduate poetry workshop by Zoom. And so I'm there's old, 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 old dog and new tricks here. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I love being in person with the students. I just love sitting in a circle and getting to know them and, um, you know, eye contact and, you know, and handing things out and laughing. Anyway, um, I'll learn to do Zoom. I will. So that's yeah. it. Other than that, um, we have, one of the things I do at UTSA is um, I'm very involved with the creative writing reading series. And we had scheduled, scheduled among other writers joy harjo to come this fall and of course we had to cancel everything so there'll be no reading series and nothing on campus really so it's sad um at least we can keep going virtually but it is it's strange yeah and and i feel so lucky i'm compared to so many people i mean you know i'm not alone my wonderful husband steve kelman is with me and he's doing all the shopping and um so we're very lucky and i just my heart just goes out to so many people right now yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah well i'm glad that you know you've got someone there to to help out you've got each other you've got each other other. exactly exactly yeah that's what my wife that's my wife and i say we've got each other exactly yeah yeah absolutely yeah i feel blessed for that you're right me too yeah Mm -hmm. Well, it's, um, you know, so you make an interesting point there about, you know, the classes can still resume with universities and whatnot, but maybe what's some of these, uh, you know, events and, and sort of things on the side, you know, extracurricular stuff, it, it, they're not going to be able to happen now, a lot of right. these things. So students will miss right. out on those opportunities. Maybe they'll still get the classes, but that's still a fundamental part of, 
you know, the education process, in my opinion, so right, and, and going through that. So, that yeah, that's me so much. I mean, yeah. for our student writers, having these visiting writers come in is just an enormous experience for them. We had Rita Dove last year, you know, and she came to class and she went to dinner and lunch with the students. And I mean, she, it, they just, you know, it just made, made me so much to them. So, yeah, yeah, this is a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Well, let's hope that, um, you know, it doesn't last too long, right? That's everyone's hope, obviously, uh, that this can turn around and, and well, you know, the schools can get back to doing um, something semi-normal. Right. It's a long road. Um, it's a long road. I think it may be. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what have you been doing as far as, you know, have you been writing and stuff? Or have you been taking up any extra hobbies or anything at the house? Or <laughs> <laughs> um, Not too much. A, a sad personal thing for me is I had a book come out in January um, called Gloss. Um, and I was able, luckily, to do um, to do some readings, you know, out of state. I was able to, but that we had to had to cancel the rest, and so that's been very sad. And oh, I haven't been doing the new writing very much. I'm sort of, I think I'm too. Um, maybe I'm just in one of those in between places. You know, I have a lot of obnoxious things to do. You know, we've been doing <laughs> household thing. You know, things that you wait every year is okay. We're gonna do this this, this summer. Yeah. So a lot of things on that kind of list. Um, we've been dealing with medical stuff and I mean, nothing urgent, but just, you know, sure. so a lot of that kind of, so I haven't been writing Patrick and I hope I can get back to a poem soon. I have a bunch of notes for something new, but yeah. we'll see. We'll Absolutely. see. I usually yeah. get back to it. <laughs> I'm so. sure eventually, right. It always, I'm sure you've been doing this. You know what you're doing, you know, <laughs> you, you know what you're doing. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is I think the world has changed so much. And I think I'm at a place where I'm wanting to change radically the way I've been writing for a long time. I mean, all my writing has changed. Every book is very different. And oh, I that's think I'm in a place of big change, and I don't quite know what form the new poems are going to take yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be patient with myself. Sure. No, <laughs> I, I understand that. Um, you know, yeah. it's... It's interesting that you say about sort of changing with each book, right? And, and just, go, you know, as, as you change as a person, I'm sure the way you approach it and perspective, whatever, that, that sort of thing adapts. And, and that's great. I was looking at, because I don't know anything about poetry. The first thing I Googled was history of poetry. Like, where, where, okay, that, okay. Literally the first thing I Googled. <laughs> and it honestly led me down a fantastic rabbit hole of information. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But what I found most fascinating at the end of all of it was one simple point, which is, you know, the origin of what people use poetry for and that it predated written text and that it was for and correct me if I'm wrong. And and it was for, you know, preserving, you know, things that were happening, storytelling laws, right? Like that sort of thing. So it had a very practical, you know, use to yeah. society you know yeah. if it was called that at that time and and it's interesting to me now i think i would have never thought of poetry like that well when i think of poetry i don't think of that i think of artistic and emotions and 
looking deep into something and finding other meanings and you know that sort of thing so it's 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 had a journey poetry's had this journey you know and i'm just i just want to talk to you about that i'm curious about all this it's, it's fascinating to me that's a really good point and how what we've wanted from it has changed yeah yeah that's so many different um fashions and needs yes and you're so right i mean the origin is song i mean the songs that tribal people would sing wow. um so you know a way of bringing the community together and and also religious i mean the song of songs and yeah. so yeah so a lot having to do with with community and religion and i worry that we've lost that sense of community with poetry um, a lot of poetry now um, is probably written for other poets and sometimes is um, not real easy to understand immediately. Um, not that it should be, but the, actually I'm being, I'm being too quick here. Right now there are just so many different styles of poetry, so many different kinds. I mean, from hip hop to real abstract expressionism to, um, yeah, poems that even I can't understand. And um, so there are just so many different styles right now. And um, oh, I have this in a poem. Um, one time, this computer guy was at the house and helping me with stuff, and he saw all the books, and he said, "You know, you read all these books." We said, "Yeah, we read." And he, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was kind of a doofus. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so he asked what it was I write, what, what I write, and I said mostly poetry, and he said, "Oh, he said fluffy stuff." <laughs> <laughs> And he wasn't really kidding. <laughs> so there's that, you know, there's the Hallmark card poetry. And then there's the real obtuse kind of intellectual kind of. So there's so many different styles. Yeah. And different magazines that support different styles and different communities. And one of the things that keeps me going is I have wonderful poetry friends. And we exchange poems regularly. And oh, that nice. really helps, really yeah. helps. I think we all need editors. Nobody, I don't know any poet who doesn't have at least one or two other readers to help. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so feedback yeah. on the poem. What yeah. sort of feedback can you give on something like that that's artistic? Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. I'm curious. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious what line sort of note, notes lines, you get back. Line seven doesn't work. It's too vague. Um, you repeat the word um, apple in line three and then again in line 13 and you need to find another fruit um uh uh um the poem's working great but then you could cut out lines 13 through 17 they're not needed um the end is too vague <laughs> so that kind of stuff yeah God, that's so interesting yeah. uh that's really that's so interesting I yeah. couldn't yeah, about my friends, and I, I think I help them too, so we all help each other, yeah. Oh, of course. I can only imagine it works, right? Everybody uh, adding to That sounds like what musicians do when right. they're writing songs. and they Exactly. Patrick, sounds... yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would have never thought that with poetry. <laughs> um, just yeah. in my mind, I think, okay, it, it would be like a painter sending a painting off to, to a friend and be like, okay, what strokes don't you like? 
right? What should I get rid of? And the but painters don't do they just paint in they're done. I thought that's what poetry was like. My bride, that's it. There's no yeah. how. How can no, you tell and, me? But this is so fascinating. Wow, I, I love that. Folders, I have folders sometimes two inches thick of revisions of a poem. <laughs> wow, you know, hundreds, wow, and hundreds of revisions. Oh yeah, it's a lot. I process. love that. Wow, yeah. that's a. Some people I love write that. faster than others. Yeah. Yeah. I have a wonderful friend. Um, Alice Fryman, who's a great poet, and she, I, I just, I can't believe her. I mean, I envy her. She's in her 80s, and she whips out a fantastic poem practically every week, and I can't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> you're like, you're just mad at her, like, and why, yeah, how are you doing Alice, this? Yeah. <laughs> and here I am, you know, <laughs> this version and these notes, and then, yeah, anyway, anyway, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's fine. Well, everyone has their process and that's yours, right. We all do. Yours, yeah. Yours gets you to right. where you go, you know, right. yeah, I, I love that there's a community of people working together and that, that this is great. I, I just really, honestly, I didn't know that it was like that. Um, um, I'm, that's fascinating to me. Like, do, do you ever co-write poems? Um, I haven't done that actually co-writing. No. Not like that. Co-translating, yes. Okay. Um, former colleague, great friend, Saranendranath Tagore from India, great-grand-nephew of the brilliant, great, great poet Rabindranath Tagore who won the Nobel Prize um, oh, in wow. the 30s. Um, he and I co-translated the last poems Rabindranath Tagore wrote in the year before he died. Wow. And that came out from Brazil in 2001, I think. So I love that process of co-translating. Is that but, difficult yeah. given? Oh, yeah. Right? The, I speak Spanish fluently. I speak Spanish and English. Oh, um, good for you. And, but I know that there's uh, complete differences of phrases, right? I'm, I'll try to explain one phrase from Spanish to English or vice versa, and it's hard sometimes. And I just the imagine. music, just the sounds. Yeah. I mean, my gosh. I mean, abuela, grandmother. Yeah, it's not even close, right? It's not, it's not, it's not even close. And with Bengali, um, we may not want to get off on this too much, but so tell me to stop. But um, with Bengali, um, it's an incredibly musical language. So, so even more difference in the music between English and Bengali and English and Spanish. Even yeah. more differences in the music. Um, and then words that we don't even have any concept of. For instance... India has words for um, jillions and jillions and jillions and jillions, for instance. There's one word. We, in our culture, we don't go, go beyond, what, a billion or a trillion? That's yeah. it. But India has this concept of the fastness of the universe and the universe beyond the universe. And then there are simple things like, what do you do when in a Tagore poem, he uses the word, the one word, to describe the part of the sari that goes over a woman's head. One word. What the heck do you do with that in English? We ended oh up just giving God. up, Patrick, and we just <laughs> said, you know, the part of the sari that goes over the woman's head, which is really clunky. Yeah. <laughs> but we felt we had to get the, you know, the image. So, yeah, really interesting process. Yeah. That is, that, that's fascinating. I mean, I find that fascinating. <laughs> I, I, I love how language and the differences in them and how you can express yourself 
to somebody in a different language and you can almost, you know, I, I just, I find that fascinating. And, and now, and for you to be able to translate like poetry, which probably you're, there's, a, you know, like you said, there's, you're trying to look for meaning as well and find that, oh my gosh, I can't, that just sounds, <laughs> that sounds so hard. Like I just, it was, that's it was why, a wonderful process between us. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I missed the, well, the process. Yeah. Fruitful, fruitful, right? It, it, it's challenging, but fruitful at the right. same time. I enjoy processes um, like that uh, as well. You know, I'm curious, Wendy, when you, uh, you know, and, and I'm sorry if some of these questions sound ignorant. I apologize. Well, don't be ridiculous. But, don't right? be silly. Just, don't be just, silly. That's ask, just how I am, right? That's how well, I learn. I, Patrick, I ask questions. Don't be silly. Right? Silly man. <laughs> so, way. Thank you. Uh, so I'm curious, when you write a poem, do you have a goal in mind, or is every poem different? Are you trying to write? A, I guess I'll leave it at that. No, that's a really important question. And it's usually different with every poem, but usually things start with either an image or a line. Um, and um, sometimes recently... Um, if we have time, I want to read a poem about chocolate. Um, I did read a book about chocolate. And um, recently, the last couple of years, um, a lot of my poems have come from my reading. Um, I read a book called The Vagabonds about Henry Ford, that great anti-Semite, who started the American road trip, you know, with his Ford. And I found the book just fascinating. And at the time, um, Steve and I had been taking some trips to state parks and taking little road trips. And um, I visited my son, who lives in Poughkeepsie, New York, and who I'm not going to get to see for who long, how long, but Aww. a year ago. But a year ago, um, I flew up and we took a road trip through the Catskills. And so I was reading this book about road trips and started writing poems. But the way they started was I was taking all these notes from the from the book about Henry Ford, ended up scrapping everything about Henry Ford, <laughs> all these notes that I thought I was going to use, and ended up just writing a series of poems about roads and things that can happen on the road. So the poems just took completely different turns from what I thought they would. So you never know. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that. It's yeah. a journey for yourself, right? It's a yeah, journey, right. a whole experience that the person reading the poem doesn't even get, yeah, right? right? It's your own, but it's your own personal thing, right? Between you and I right. love that. That's, that's so cool. Right. I yeah. love that you're also open to the fact of making that change. Well, you have to be, you have to be, you have to be open. In fact, that's the key. You have to be open. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You could get stuck in this is this is it. And right. No chance. Yeah. I love I love that you're, you know, open to feeling you were feeling something else. And yeah. just for whatever reason, wasn't speaking to you and you were willing to scrap a work right. you had done. Right. That's, <laughs> right. That shows a lot. A lot of scrapping. A yeah. lot of scrapping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, slightly taking the subject, I think one of the reasons I'm having a hard time writing right now is because of all this stuff going on in our country sure it's just it's just that. it's really hard not to pay attention not to be frightened not to be furious um and yeah. not to think i'm thinking what can i as this white woman do right now um i wrote a poem recently called driving while white 
um, <laughs> which is one thing I could do. I have talked my way out of so many tickets, Patrick. When I was, I mean, really, I mean, when I was young and tarantula eyelashes and, you know, oh, officer, I'm so sorry. You know, and they'd, oh, miss, don't you worry. And that'd be that, you know. And now I'm just sweet old grandma. My husband, Steve Kilman, my husband, who plays tennis all the time and runs and bikes, is quite brown. I mean, he's, you know, <laughs> um, but he's real, real deeply tanned. Yeah. And if, he, if we're driving together and he's driving and we get stopped, I lean over to the officer. I lean across Steve and pull my nice little white granny number. Oh, officer, was it that? <laughs> I mean, I can tell you about right, right privilege. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's real. Oh, it's, it's real. real. It's really, really real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you don't know it's happening. You just don't know what's happening because you're That's in right. it. You, you're in That's it, and right. you just you just don't even see it. You don't right. see the problem. I'm I'm a I'm a weird in a weird position. Um, my mom is from Mexico. Oh, okay. And my, uh -huh. and my dad is from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. So two opposite ends. My house was just great. Two different cultures. You know, it's how I learned Spanish. Obviously, you know, lucky I went to Mexico. you. Yeah, I was. I lucky was lucky. You. Yeah. I, you know. You, you say that, Wendy, but the truth is I didn't realize how lucky I was till I was older. That's the truth. Well, I can understand. I, I didn't, right? Yeah. I, I, was, I was in it. I didn't know. I thought sure. everyone grew up like me, to be honest right. with you. Sure. That's, what I, that's sure. what I thought. Oh, yeah. I thought everyone goes to a different country and hangs out and comes back and has this whole, you know, melting pot in your house and there's two languages and there's all kinds of things going on. I just thought this is how everybody, but then you quickly realize this is not how everybody right. Uh, gets along you know but I don't you know I've been told this my whole life and it's, it's it does bother me sometimes but I understand why people say it they'll say oh you don't look Mexican they'll just say that to me right and I, my first thought is well what does a Mexican look like right I don't know what that means because if you go to Mexico it's a country right so there's all kinds of people in Mexico there's black there's white there's Asians there's everything yes. in Mexico right so you know, but I, I move on and, and yes. right. And, you know, Honestly, move on from ignorance. it. Yeah. We it, have blonde, blue eyed friends from Mexico. Yeah. I mean, really hundred percent. My mom is red hair uh, with green eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Freckles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, she's a hundred percent. Of people. It's just, it's astounding sometimes. It yeah. really is. It really but is. You uh, need to be patient. And <laughs> you just have to be patient. I move on. I don't, think about it again I've, and i grew up in texas so something i oh, okay. put, put up with a lot uh here uh you know just texas conservative and just things people say but anyway my, my point is more just you know i because of that it got me thinking okay you know what i to most people i'm just this white guy going through life that's right. what people think of that's what people think of me so i have benefited right. from that from that privilege as well Mm -hmm. I, I have, you know, it, it just, yeah. and, and I didn't realize it for a long time. I, I just didn't know it was happening. Uh, you know, people make racist, com people make racist comments in front of me about Mexicans to me all the time because they just think I'm this white guy like them or somebody. And they, oh, of course, my whole a, life. Is it Austin? Uh, I grew up in Dallas. Oh, okay. Uh, so that, that mainly happened around there, but it definitely happens in Austin too. Um, I, 
you know. Oh my God. Even even quite recently, as a few years ago, I was with a friend and and his wife. I won't say names, but I guess the <laughs> wife didn't know I was ha was was you know part Mexican, and proceeds to tell me this story about this Mexican cutting her off on the highway and how Mexicans should go back to their country and all. This. And Are she's you just going off. No, me? no. No, no. That, and I'm looking over at my friend and he knows. I'm, I mean, he's just his eyes are like, what is my wife saying right now? And I'm thinking this is what people talk about when they don't think of Mexicans around. I've experienced it my whole life, like the curtain behind the curtain. Right. And then you say, well, I am Mexican. I'm, I'm half Mexican. Oh, well, I didn't mean it like that. Or I didn't mean it like this. Or yeah, right. I, I, meant, I meant it like that. It's like you already said right. it. I really I know. I know what you meant, you know, so. <laughs> But I, but again, I've experienced, I, I really, that's that can't be really a complaint. It's never held me down in any way. Right, I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I can't relate to someone who is black, for instance, and had this atrocities going through life. I can't relate to that. They, they have a right. way different story. Right. They have a real fight that I, that I didn't have. I, I did have the privilege of it, of uh, getting yeah, everything. Yeah. You sort of had the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, it's in good. Yeah. sucks in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you don't, you don't know what to do. Sometimes you felt like, well, once some white people find out you're part Mexican, okay, well, you're not, they don't want to include you all the way. And but on the flip side of that, look, Mexicans can be sort of the same way sometimes. So because I'm half white, they're like, mm, you're not full Mexican. You're not real Mexican, too. So it's like, where do I go? <laughs> where where do I? You know, I've had this conversation with my brother. We've We've talked about it our whole lives. You know, it's like, where do we go? Where do we fit in? Where do we? find ourselves you know so i i actually have a lot of friends that are half and half you know something uh -huh. of two different cultures because they can just relate to i can relate to them more I than totally anything i totally get it and this may seem odd and it certainly may not nothing like what you're talking about but yet um my mother was from england and um father from new jersey and then they moved just to arizona when i was little and we moved and moved and moved. And I mostly grew up in Tucson, um, different houses. But I grew up in Tucson in the years when there was one junior high for everybody and one high school for everybody. So I, I, went, I was with a group. I ran with a group of kids, Mexican kids and, quote, white kids. And my first boyfriend was Judy de la Garza. And who went on to become this famous endowed professor at Columbia? And nice. we, 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 I know. And we, and he dumped me. <laughs> <laughs> he dumped me for my best girlfriend. <laughs> I was fifteen, and and Rudy and I connected through Facebook about ten years or so ago. And then every time I was in New York, we get together. And he was so sweet, and he said, "I always regretted I dumped you. I should." <laughs> <laughs> but we it was and unfortunately he died two years ago it was very oh, very sad gosh. Was I'm sorry but, to hear that. but anyway all that to say that i look like the person who fits in but i've never felt that way yeah. because we moved around so much and my mother even though she tried to get rid of her british accent <laughs> she couldn't completely get rid of her british accent yeah and at times she would say to us daughters she would say oh you Americans. <laughs> you Americans, you know. Sort of. nice. That's hilarious. So it was strange because 
Um, I, so I never quite felt fit in either. And the reason I took the job at UTSA, I came on the market after my PhD, was very lucky because I came on the market at a time when all the English departments across the country, almost all, were almost all male and they were looking for a woman. So I had lots of great offers, but San Antonio was like Tucson. I was coming home. Yeah. So I've been home. No Catalina Mountains. But, uh, <laughs> San Antonio is beautiful. It's beautiful I think it, in its own it, way. I, it's home. Right. I, I just love it. And I just, dearest friends here. And yeah, yeah. love the students. It's growing too. They're, they're, oh, God. You know, I, I'm from the restaurant industry. I've been in it for over 15 uh -huh. years. So uh -huh. I, I, you know, I know they're building all kinds of great stuff down in San Antonio and, you know, great restaurants and breweries and distilleries right, and right. all kinds of, you know, uh, those those beer gardens and things that people right. love to go uh -huh. to. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's growing. It's it's picking yeah. up. It's it's yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm real happy for San Antonio. I love that city. I've, I've always loved San Antonio. Great city. Great food. Great food. <laughs> tacos. <laughs> I mean, the Great tacos food. there. Yep. Yes. There's a big battle between San Antonio and Austin on the breakfast taco. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know about this. It's uh, it's, it's like, uh, you know, West Side Story. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's it's. So San Antonio is takes credit for inventing the breakfast taco and Austin, okay. I guess, tries to as well. So they battle okay. over who has the best uh, okay. breakfast taco and, you know, they're all good. In my opinion, everybody wins because they're all delicious and uh, <laughs> you, you, you can't go wrong, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Wendy, I'm, I'm really curious about... Um, uh, I won't keep you too much longer, but I'm I'm curious about um, a little bit more about the poetry, to be honest with you. So uh, I, I, we got a little uh, sidetracked in this podcast. That's what happens on podcasts. Right. Um, uh -huh. But I, I really am just more curious on, you know, the behind the scenes of how how that, you know, poem gets to somebody. Right. So I'm also curious if you set out what you want the reader to take from the poem or is that different every time or do you leave it's that open every or time. it's just all this step-by-step -step process sometimes yeah. it's very frustrating yeah it can be a long time before a poem is quote ready to send out you know to a magazine or something it's it's a step-by-step -step process it just starts with a little phrase or a little note or as I mentioned, reading that book about Henry Ford and yeah. and turned out I didn't use anything from the Henry Ford book, but it got me on the road, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. So you never know. Yeah. And do, and, you know, is it the deal that, you know, when you send it off, is it, you know, it takes so long, is it because when people do read a poem, are people very critical of poems? You know, are they looking at every single oh, yeah. thing and every oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, detail? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Every single so, thing, every dash, commas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why Fine. there's so much put into it, is yeah. that, okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Is there, um, you, you mentioned earlier that you think, some po poets write for other poets. Right. And I, I find that fascinating because, 
you know, I guess that would be like a songwriter writing for another songwriter. Right. Right. Or a chef cooking for another chef. Right. Um, and that's not normally how it's approached. It's it's I'm doing my thing for the people. You're doing your thing for the people. Right. And I guess I don't I guess it's just this whole fascinating thing to me about poetry, this community and the way it works. And it's just so different. Do you feel like that there's this sort of, you know, not club of poets, but maybe. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that's what it is. Okay, different, different groups. groups. And okay. I mean, one of the things I care about is I would like, ideally, my poems to reach um, the poets who I admire and um, also um, uh, that little abuela sitting in the back of the room, yeah. you know, who doesn't have great English, but I want it to reach her too. Sure. So I, I want my poems to reach human beings as well as to be respected by the poets I respect. So yeah. I want them to have a human connection. I care very much about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, yeah, that, to me, if I, that would be my reason for writing it, to get it to people, to make yeah, a difference right, right. in somebody, right? To, for, for some reason. Reaching out, a way of connecting, yeah. of connecting us. Yeah. yeah care very much about connecting well it sounds like then maybe the origin of poem you know hasn't gotten lost in poetry then i hope not right? <laughs> I, think, I, mean, no, I think not yeah right yeah. that 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 <laughs> asp that that sliver is is still connected to the origin of that's it right of, right so that's, it's that's so great. many open mics you know readings i was on a zoom reading the other night with a group of san antonio poets and the open mic followed, and so you draw in people who who want to be writing and who care, want to listen, want to hear, and want to write. So, yeah, there's a big community out there. Well, that's it, awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I think of um, you know, when I think of poetry as well. My first thought is um, this is an old movie, and maybe you've never seen it, but it's with Mike Myers. Um, so I married an axe murderer. And it's set. See it. I'm sorry. You haven't seen it. It's okay. It's it's, okay. it's late in the '90s. It was made in the '90s. Okay. But anyway, okay. it, it, he does these poetry th readings at in the in the movie. That's what he does. He's at a coffee shop. You know, it's like in Seattle or no, it's in San Francisco. You okay. know, the big big mugs okay. and he's doing these okay. poetry. But it's more like slam poetry or something. I think they okay. were describing it. You uh -huh. know, and I love that there's these different ranges of. Right. Right, right like so that's more in the moment right spoken it's not meant right. to be written in a book because right. you need the author's emotion behind the words right. To, right. to help carry that story right and and your words are the words right there's no you're not but you also get that opportunity to read them as well and give your emotion behind the words so that has to be great for fans of yours as well right <laughs> Sorry. I tried to turn it off here. <laughs> oh shoot! I love it. It happens. It Sorry, ha we're not live, so it's all it's Sorry. fine. It's fine. <laughs> let's just get let's just get them on the call. Let's just get them on here. <laughs> Hello, this is a courtesy call to let you know your prescription order is ready for pickup at Walgreens. 
that kind of thing and that's not poetry <laughs> so maybe it is maybe i should maybe i should get it <laughs> couldn't figure out how to stop it i'm sorry patrick <laughs> please i love this <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Shut up. I needed that. That was great. I needed that. That was great. Glad you did. Oh man, that was that was great. I love this stuff. You know, podcasts always amaze me. There's always crazy stuff that happens uh, when I do these. Uh, trust me, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, gosh, well, you're oh, great. I don't even know where we were, but um, you know that was hilarious. Um, well, you know, look, you said you had a, a poem about chocolate. I yeah. would love. You know, I have a few poems I'd love to read. I don't know how oh, much my time gosh. we have. We, I would love, um, it would be an honor for, you know, I, I, that okay. would be awesome. I would love that. Okay, well, I don't know about that, but here's one about, here's a, this is a very grim poem. Yeah. Okay. Actually, wait a minute. Is it okay if I read four poems? Yes. Not okay? Okay, I'm going to read two short ones and then two longer ones. And Let's do this it. Is, these are two short poems from my very first book, Winter Chickens that came out in, in um, 1990. Um, yeah, so these are poems that were written um, when my son was little and, um, okay, canning season. Tomatoes are rolling off the vines, tumbling out of bagfuls over the kitchen tiles until we lift them into the kettle. Simmering, skins peel off. Exposed pink veins tracing over glistening flesh. Seeds surrounded in juice like yolks of tiny eggs. Sieving out the pulp, we make sauce, save August for November. I hold you now, we're ripe. And then here's one called Schönbrunn Yellow about the Schönbrunn Palace, um, Schönbrunn Yellow. The summer palace of the Habsburgs is yellow, and inside guilt climbs the walls like ivy. Maria Theresa had 16 children in this house. To keep them, she had 400 maids. The yellow walls are the color of the woman's apron in Bruegel's painting, a woman dancing on village dirt, dancing in an apron thick with grease an apron hard with scraps of dough. Maria Theresa's favorite painting was of three peasants, a family taking a walk in the hills, a family of peasants like Bruegel's, dancing and drinking, filling their cheeks with cereal and beer the color of gold. Amazing. So those are two old, old poems that the way I used to write. <laughs> and then, um, um yeah and then is there a style does the does your poem the way you write poems does it have a name or a style there's no the name but you can see these are they're just sort of short i don't know if that shows or not but yeah. sort of short lines and then and then um here's the chocolate poem and you can see how different all these long long lines yeah yeah okay okay I if i read see. two more 
Of course. Okay, These are great. Okay. Okay. This one is called About Chocolate. Hurricane Irma is hurtling into the Caribbean and on into Florida as India, Nepal, and Bangladesh sink underwater with 12,000 already dead. Meanwhile, our friends in southeast Texas are mopping up in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. So why am I reading about a new kind of chocolate, red chocolate, as if dark milk and white chocolate weren't enough? Ruby chocolate we've got now, but all these come from the same cacao plant the Olmec people used even before the Mayans. I grew up on Hershey bars, Snickers, M&Ms, Milky Ways, brownies, in my lunchbox after school and after supper. Cocoa before bed. Chocolate, like touch, releases oxytocin, the love hormone that reduces stress. Easter Sundays, my sister and I would hunt down chocolate eggs, peeking behind bookcases and the TV. Candy bunnies, fluffy chicks. And all the chocolate? Oxytocin. But how much could a carton of Mars bars help folks floating in their front yards? And truckloads of baby Ruths couldn't rescue little kids harvesting cocoa beans in West Africa, who I've now learned are routinely, even with fair trade, kidnapped, handed machetes to cut bean pods from the trees, often slicing their own flesh. They couldn't have seen the ads for chocolate. Comfort in every bar. Get the sensation. I just finished Sacha Batiani's memoir. In 1945, during a party with Gestapo bosses in a castle near the Austro-Hungarian border, at the nearby train depot, 200 Jews were digging a pit. After dinner, the guests were handed guns. Some drove, some walked to the station. They filled the pit. There had been wine, followed by cognac, with chocolate. Now I'm remembering the time when my sisters and I were visiting our grandparents. They served us a chocolate cream pie that we found swarmed with black ants. Wow. These are, this is amazing. Pretty dark poem, pretty grim poem. <laughs> I guess one of the things I found interesting about food, um, my husband Steve is a vegan, and, oh. um, and I tried to be a vegetarian for six years, and my doctor told me it was killing me. I just had, I'm one of those people that I have to eat meat. Yeah. I've got apparently the metabolism of a hummingbird, <laughs> maybe my genetics, I don't know. But, <laughs> but I have to have, as one of my friends says, I have to have fat and blood. <laughs> yeah. And I hate it. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I really, I care about the environment. I care about sure. the way things are farmed and the creatures are treated. And I, I get my, what Steve and I call my unmentionables, I get them from a very, from a local ranch where they're very kind and, and, Good. Logically careful, and yes. they're not cheap, but you know, but they treat the animals, they treat the earth well, and everything. Anywhere I was going, as I become more and more interested in, in where you know where our our food comes from, and the things we take for granted, and like these children, um, you know what these children are doing, um, it's just horrific. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
stop it, phone. Damn <laughs> <And> landline. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a follow up call to let you know about the prescription. I'm sure is what it. Damn it! What are you? I can't. I thought if I just okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm so embarrassed. No, please don't. I love these moments on the podcast. I promise you, they they help break up the monotony of the conversation. It's like and, when you're on Zoom and somebody's dog comes. Right. Yeah. That's my dog. They will come in every once in a while. I've been talking to people and they just jump up and I let it go. I don't even leave the door closed. I let it in case because I learned if I close the door, they actually will like cry outside the door. But if I leave it open, they just they leave me alone. I don't get it. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, okay, you said more, you, one, more yeah, one more. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say you said one you had more. one more. This one no, is no, called, th these are praise, amazing. Praise of stumps and praise of stumps. Dumb as a stump, they say. My neighbor hates stumps. And after sawing down half the trees on his manicured acre, wants all the stumps removed. Eyesores, they take up space on his lawn. Not an easy job, stump removal. Grinders cost at least a hundred bucks a day to rent. And he'd need goggles, a chainsaw, a pack, a pick mattock, digging bar, and a shovel. Potassium nitrate works with a drill and kerosene. Years ago, I planned to rid my yard of its scraggly stumps till I learned the roots of trees feed each other, pump sugar into a stump to keep it from dying, and the stump will send out new sprouts that can lift into saplings, and then in time, into full-sized trees. I hadn't known that stumps provide nesting sites for chickadees, titmice, owls, and woodpeckers, shelter for chipmunks, shrews, salamanders, and foxes. But my neighbor's not the only one in this suburban enclave with codes more rigid than a concrete slab, grass over six inches high bordering the street, and you're in for a big fine. I'm thinking of Hopkins, long live the weeds. I like our grasses tall enough to ripple in the wind so native salvias can bloom and feed the butterflies and hummingbirds. Sick of tidiness, the desire to emulate British country estates with our faux scale down mini mansions floating on green carpet no one ever touches other than a hired man on his ride a mower who keeps the outdoors outside, keeps anyone from taking too deep a breath from any Whitman-esque desire to go live with the animals, which I'm fantasizing I might want to do. But right now, I'll go out, speak to my dead trees, tell them I know their roots are alive, connected to all the leafy trees nearby, and I know they're signaling each other through an arboreal internet, their intricate fungal mycelial network, maybe warning about our thick dumb of the ditch skulls. Wow. I love, that's my favorite one. <laughs> oh, good. I love oh, that. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. That, that yeah. tells a story, you know, it tells a story. There's a story. There is a, the way you read it adds to it. I got to tell you. Oh, good. Uh, because I feel like if I was reading that it wouldn't come out as cool. Wouldn't sound as good. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know, Patrick. You know, uh, yeah, you're yeah. reading it adds a lot to it uh, for sure. Because yeah. I can hear, 
the motion pro of when you were writing it, right? Like how you were feeling about it. I yeah. like that. I like that. Wow, Wendy, this is this has been such an amazing uh, conversation. I, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this and how much I've learned uh, oh my today. Gosh. Well, you're wonderful. Thank you. It's been so much talking together. Yes, it's been amazing. You too. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, no, I really mean that. I, I love doing these podcasts for this reason. I love learning and talking to people about so things great. I don't know about. Um, I, oh. I find it fascinating. So, uh, but thank you for just being open and vulnerable and, you know, reading your poems. I know they're personal and, and that takes a lot and, and I appreciate that. So we appreciate it. The listeners, the viewers, they're, they're going to appreciate it for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. How can uh, people find your poems online or connect with you um, online? Or Well, I have a website, and I'm on Facebook, and I have a website, um, so you can just Google me and find my books, and books are on Amazon, and yeah. You've got you've won all kinds of awards. I saw it. There were so many. <laughs> so, <laughs> normally, I'll come on, and I'll name the awards for the person, right? You were, you were nominated for this or that or... You know, but it's like yours. It was just in. I was like, this is impossible. I can't. I don't have enough paper in my house to print this Patrick, out. Patrick, I'm old. I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> That's what you say. But I say you got, obviously, you got some talent, uh, you know, and that's amazing. So, so anyway, uh, I won't take up too much of your time. Uh, I know you got probably, you know, some other household uh, organizing projects to take <laughs> care of. Phone calls yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, love that. Love the real moments. I'm all about the realness. So, uh, well, Wendy, uh, my best to you and, and your family. I hope you guys uh, stay you safe. You too, Patrick. Through. Stay Lord. safe. Be safe. Thank take you. care. Thank you, Thank you so much, Wendy. Okay. All right. Have a good rest of the day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. Hey.